Welcome to The Essential Rhythm, science-based natural history and human ecology of the North Atlantic seashore. This is episode 87, Next Wave Species Introductions. So many things in our lives aren't just one-off events. I got a new phone recently, an iPhone 13, and already there's an iPhone 14. COVID, all the early variants we didn't even name, then Delta, Omicron, XBB 1.5, and now there's XBB 1.16, aka Arcturus. All the iterations of your favorite and not-so-favorite software. First, second, and third wave feminism. And all those different flavors have different strengths and weaknesses. And members of different cohorts can often exist and operate at the same time, be they different versions of Excel, old and new iPhones, or old and new feminists. We shouldn't be surprised when introduced species do the same thing. But I was when I read a 2019 paper about interactions between European green crabs and Asian shore crabs, the two big kids on the introduced crab block here in the eastern U.S. European green crabs, Latin name Carcinus manus, henceforth referred to as green crabs, are endemic to, surprise, Europe, and were introduced to the east coast of the United States in the 1800s, reaching the Gulf of Maine by the 1900s. Currently, they are found well north into maritime Canada. They seem to be sensitive to water temperature, and as the Gulf of Maine and the ocean at large has warmed dramatically over the past two decades, green crabs have been reproducing a lot and wrecking havoc on the shellfish industry here in Maine, especially the soft-shell clam fishery. If you've been to the shoreline here in Maine and pulled aside some seaweed or flipped over a rock and found a crab, usually but not always mottled green in color, until recently you could be pretty much sure it was a green crab. And I say until recently because there is a new player in town. Asian shore crabs, Latin name Hemigrapsis sanguineus, henceforth referred to as shore crabs, are endemic to, surprise, East Asia and were introduced to the east coast of the United States in the 1980s and rapidly spread from its original drop-off point in New Jersey south to North Carolina and north to Maine. Listeners in southern and mid-coast Maine are surely familiar with this crab, but it has not fully infiltrated the coast where I live, being found only on the offshore islands this far up the coast. The 2019 paper I read asks the question, what happens when green crabs and shore crabs interact? Green crabs are ubiquitous and well-established, having been part of and largely disrupting intertidal and subtidal ecosystems here for 200 years. Shore crabs are new arrivals. How will they disrupt established ecological patterns, if at all? Interactions between endemic and introduced species are well documented and get a lot of attention when that interaction results in big ecological or economic change. But interactions between introduced species are far less studied. But with over 500 introduced species in coastal U.S. waters alone, it is an area ripe for study. What these researchers found from a series of studies on Massachusetts' North Shore is that when shore crabs show up, the density of green crabs goes down, like way down, 40 to 90 percent down, at least in some habitats, specifically the rocky, boulder, and cobble shores common in the Gulf of Maine. This has led shore crabs to become the dominant intertidal crab in southern New England. How this happened was the subject of further experiments, which involved predator exclusion cages and careful manipulation of crab assemblages in the experimental plots at the shore. And the results are clear. 
Shore crabs are very effective predators on juvenile green crabs, and juvenile green crabs are much better at getting eaten than juvenile shore crabs. Juvenile or young of the year shore crabs flee from potential predators, quickly finding shelter in hiding. Juvenile green crabs freeze and rely on their visual camouflage. Hiding in plain sight works well when the predator is a visual predator, like many of the fish and birds that hunt in the intertidal, but it is not an effective strategy when the predator is tactile and uses chemical cues to find prey, and that is how crabs hunt. Green crabs are happy to eat their own young too, but adults tend to move into the subtidal zone, leaving the young in the intertidal, so the chances of old green crabs encountering and eating young green crabs is somewhat less. Now, however, Shore crabs are on the scene, and they don't like to go so low in the intertidal zone. Young green crabs are now using a habitat that is overrun with predators, and the effects are clear. Does this mean that green crabs are going to get totally replaced? Not likely, because green crabs can use habitats that shore crabs can't or don't, habitats like mudflats and other soft sediments. These zones will likely serve as refugia for green crabs, but don't be surprised if shore crabs become the dominant crab at your local rocky beach, if they haven't already. I'll drop the paper citation in the show notes so you can read it too if you want to know more. This has been episode 87 of The Essential Rhythm, written and produced by me, Sarah O'Malley. The show is produced on Wabanaki land. Did you know you can find this show as a podcast? Go to weru.org to learn more. The theme music is Lightstream by the artist Siddhartha, used by permission through Creative Commons. Thanks for listening and join us next week.